This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Christian perspective on the news does not necessarily reflect the opinions of Radio K Pulpit or the on-air presenter, but is the independent viewpoint of the individual contributor. Please send an email to info at kpulpit.co.za should you have any further inquiries. Christian Perspective on the News. Welcome to your Friday, and that means we're connecting with Dr. Peter Hammond. He's the founder of Frontline Fellowship, the Reformation Society, Africa Christian Action, and the William Carey Bible Institute. And here is Dr. Hammond. Morning, Dr. Hammond. Hope you're well today. Good morning, Brad. Yes, I am well. Well, I'm sure many people are anticipating next week, Saturday the 6th of May, the coronation in Westminster Abbey in London will be the scene of a magnificent coronation ceremony. But I wonder how many people are considering the biblical roots and the historic origins of the various components of this traditional event. Hmm. And as so much media attention goes into the coronation, we should use these opportunities to direct people's thoughts to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who is coming again to judge the living and dead. Every knee will bow before Christ and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We need to remind people there's a far greater king and a far greater kingdom and a far greater coronation ceremony coming than what the news media are focused on right now. Daniel 7.27 says, Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. Now, I'm sure many people uh, may consider themselves to actually be more Republicans than monarchists, but when it comes to uh, being Christians, we are monarchists in that we believe in the king, the king of kings, the lord of lords. And it's worthwhile pointing out to people that most, if not all, of the components of the coronation ceremony that will take place on the next Saturday is from the Bible. And for example, 2, Timothy, 2 Samuel 5 verse 3, we read about the coronation of King David that all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and the king made a covenant with them, and at Hebron before the Lord, they anointed David king over Israel. And the whole ceremony, including the anointing with oil, is a uniquely biblical concept. In 2 Chronicles 21 verse 11, we read, and they brought out the king's son, Josiah, put the crown on him, gave him the testimony, which is the written writings of the scriptures, and made him king, and Jediah and his sons anointed him and said, long live the king. I mean, right down to the actual phrase, which is now the uh, national anthem of Great Britain, is God save the king that comes from uh, the Bible. And the actual throne on which he will be enthroned comes from King Edward I all the way back to the 13th century, which is uniquely designed as a wooden uh, throne made of oak, which has a shelf in order to accommodate the stone or the stone of destiny. And this stone of destiny has quite a story about it. And this stone used to be in Tara, an island where they crowned the Irish monarchs, and then it was stolen by the Pict, and it ended up in Scotland, and all the Scottish kings were, were crowned on it. And then the British took it all the way to Westminster Abbey from the time of King Edward I in the 13th century. And right now, the stone is back in uh, Scotland, but on the condition it's always made available for uh, Westminster Abbey for any coronation of uh, 
king or queen of England. And so why is it that the Irish, Scottish and the English have been fighting over the stone uh, for so many centuries? Well, it's just an oblong a block of red sandstone. sandstone. It's a, a two feet long and it's uh, one and a half feet wide and uh, only about 10 inches thick. It weighs about 120 kilograms. But this stone, it's it's an unusual stone in that it's known to come from the Middle East and it's believed to be the um, the stone or should say the the uh, Jacob's pillow on which Jacob actually rested in the wilderness. And it was brought to England uh, by a princess, Princess Tyra, in 598 um, BC, after the fall of Jerusalem. Uh, the two surviving princesses of, of David's house, of the house of Judah, after King Zedekiah, the last king of Israel, was captured by Nebuchadnezzar. Um, and that seemed to be the end of David's line, but his two daughters fled to the British Isles. One married into the royal line of uh, Ireland, the other into the royal line of Scotland. And uh, one of them, Princess Tia, T-E-I-A, she took this actual stone of scone, which is also called Jacob's Pillar, the Stone of Destiny, uh, with, and that then became the coronation stone for Ireland and later of Scotland and then of the British Isles. And so, uh, interesting, that's one of the components of this coronation ceremony. And the reason is, that historically uh, the Anglo-Saxons have believed that they are the uh, descendants of the ten lost tribes of Israel, right down to you know the Saxons. Isaac's sons that came from Isaac's sons was morphed into Saxons, and that's one of the etymologies of the word. Uh, mm -hmm. And of course, even when you speak about Caucasians, the Caucasus Mountains, which is between the Black Sea and the uh, Caspian Sea, that where the uh, children from northern tribes were actually exiled to. And so there's a lot of belief over the centuries, including Queen Victoria, who had a genealogy made dating back their descendants to uh, King David, and especially through these two princesses who fled to the British Isles from Egypt after the fall of Jerusalem in 586 BC. So at any rate, those are just some of the intriguing backgrounds, but I think at this time it's so important for us to focus on the kingdom of God. So many uh, people um, see the gospel as the gospel of salvation, and of course the gospel of salvation is part of the gospel of the kingdom, but reading the Bible, when Jesus began his ministry, he preached the kingdom of God. It may surprise people to know that the word church only appears in the gospels three times. But the word kingdom, kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven appears 120 times. And the overwhelming emphasis of Jesus' ministry was the kingdom of God. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And over and over you can see Jesus emphasized the kingdom. His parables all about the kingdom. Today we tend to preach the gospel of salvation. But the way it's preached in much of the mainstream Christian media and most churches says, the gospel of salvation is most about me. And now I can get blessed and healed and prospered and rich from all the negative consequences of my bad sins and how I can ultimately end up in heaven. But the way the gospel is preached by all too many today is something of a therapeutic self-help message where the emphasis is on me, with God playing a supporting role in how I can fulfill my dreams and attain my desires. 
But the gospel of the kingdom of God is about the king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, his crown, his coming, his cross, his great commission, his plan, his purposes for the nations. And what we can do to be faithful subjects, servants, and soldiers of the eternal kingdom. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the living embodiment of all that he spoke. His person, his proclamations are inseparable. His life and his lips are in unison. His counsels must determine our conduct. His person and his proclamations were seamless as the robe he wore. His words uh, were also carried out by his deeds. He brought sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, speech to the mute. He cleansed the leopards. He made the cripple to walk. Jesus raised the dead to life. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you, Jesus said. And our Lord Jesus Christ was born a king. Was born a king. Some people may be born a prince or a princess and heir to the throne, but only Jesus Christ was born a king. And he's proclaimed king by God the Father. Psalm 2 verse 6, uh, God the Father said, I have installed my king on my hill. And Jesus affirmed his kingship before the Roman governor Pontius Pilate, who asked, are you a king? And he said, yes, but my kingdom is not of this world. And so Jesus affirmed he is a king. And our Lord Jesus said, the kingdom of God is amidst you. And he is in the midst of it. where the king is, is his kingdom. Where there are people submitted to his rulership, there is the kingdom of God. Jesus actually installed the kingdom of God. He was the embodiment of the kingdom. Kingdom doesn't make the king, the king makes the kingdom. And the nature of the king determines the character of his kingdom. And our Lord Jesus Christ said, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. The kingdom of God requires repentance, discipleship, and evangelism. God is a mystery to most, but Jesus said to his disciples, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. And we have a privilege to be part of God's kingdom. We need to be proclaiming this at a particular time minds are focused on a very spectacular pageantry in London, but it's nothing compared to the kingdom that's coming and the king who is coming. The Lord prayer centered on the kingdom of God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the picture in Daniel's vision, Daniel 2, of the statue representing all the kings of the world, the head of gold, the chest of silver, the stomach of bronze, the legs of iron, and the feet of iron and clay, and a stone by hands, hitting this, this statue, and the statue crumbling to dust, the wind blowing the dust away, and then the stone growing to become a mountain that fills the whole earth. This picture of the victory of God's kingdom against all the kingdoms that oppose him. For God's kingdom to come, Satan's kingdoms must be defeated. And for God's will to be done, Satan's plans and schemes must be exposed and, and defeated. Jesus Christ is the king of the kingdom of God. The day will come and all the kingdoms of this world will uh, become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, as the book of Revelation says. So there's much on the kingdom of God that we need to be preaching on. I've done a study on the kingdom of God, which I've put on our livingstonfellowship.co.za website. If a person goes to livingstonfellowship.co.za, I'll see a Bible study on the kingdom of God. I think preach the kingdom of God and announce the kingship of our Lord Jesus Christ because every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So as people focus on an earthly kingdom, let's remind them of the king, the king of kings and the greater kingdom, the greater king and the greater coronation that is coming. 
The voice of Dr. Peter Hammond. He's the founder of Frontline Fellowship, the Reformation Society, Africa Christian Action, as well as the William Carey Bible Institute. Dr. Hammond, thanks for your time this morning. Just a really good weekend. Thank you very much, Brad. Bless. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.